My name is John Stewart, and you're listening to the Root and Stem Podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. In this episode, we explore the use of artificial intelligence, or AI, and its use in providing medical care to those who live in rural and remote communities. I've had the pleasure of speaking with some of Canada's leading doctors as we, along with the rest of the world, face the difficulties of living through a pandemic. These were very informative conversations that left me in admiration of the intelligence that these individuals possess. My most recent interaction feels the same in that regard, but for the first time, I'm excited for the future after speaking with a medical professional who has presented what may be the solution to a problem that too many people in rural and remote communities face. Dr. Ivar Mendez provides a beam of light into what is typically a dark subject. Dr. Mendez holds many titles, including Saskatchewan's Head of Department of Surgery and Neurosurgeon, just to name a couple. He has led the development and use of mobile virtual presence devices for medical practices. We can listen to somebody's chest remotely, do an electrocardiogram remotely. With our robots now, we can not only talk to the patient, we can see the patient, but we can do a lot of examinations. We have, for example, robotic ultrasonography. If we have a a pregnant woman that is in the north and they need a prenatal ultrasound, we can do this prenatal ultrasound with this robotic system. And the expert, the sonographer that is doing the study could be in Saskatoon. And then the robotic arm is a thousand kilometers away and we can do robotic, uh, robotic ultrasonography. What's equally as impressive as the technology is the issue it can address. Some of you may live in remote communities. Those who don't should do their best to imagine it for a minute. Most Inuit live in Inuit Nunangat, where the vast majority of communities are accessible only by air. In fact, 82% of Inuit living in Nunangat reported that they did not have a family doctor. Coming down with an illness or being injured in some northern communities could mean a plane trip to a larger city. Aside from the obvious inconvenience, imagine the stress that would put on you and your family. Many of you may live within minutes from your nearest health clinic or hospital, but that is not the reality for everyone in this country. Some live hundreds of kilometers away from the nearest physician. Dr. Mendez saw this situation firsthand. That's when he set out with a goal to make specialist health care accessible to everyone in Canada and beyond. I remember having a particular case of a young boy that actually went to play hockey with his team to a small uh, community outside uh, Halifax, where I lived at that time. And while he was playing hockey, he got hit with a pack on, on his head. And then he seemed to have a concussion, but he was reasonably good. And then they finished the game of hockey. And when he was coming back home in the bus, he deteriorated and died in the bus. What happened is that he had a, a, a hemorrhage in the brain that was not recognized initially, that got worse and he died. So at that time, my thoughts were, you know, that with the advances of a computer and a telecommunications technology, that in this day and age, we should be able to actually assess uh, somebody like him from a distance and have an expert a neurologist or a neurosurgeon or an emergency room physician be able actually to see that boy where he was playing in this community by using telecommunications technology. And that's where I became interested in uh, using this technology to provide care that was needed on real time by people that needed it at that time and they were not close to a healthcare center. And from there, we expanded that to the next logical uh, step, which was that this technology should be used to provide care 
to the communities that did not have access to care. And those were mainly in the north. So the first uh, deployment of one of our remote robotic systems was in a community in Labrador called Nain. It is the northern Labrador. And they don't have physicians there. So they have a nursing station. And if you have a problem, they have to send a plane to pick you up if the weather is good. If the weather is not good, then that's it. You don't have access to healthcare. And of course, that uh, produced a lot of issues in terms of the ability to provide healthcare to that remote population. One of the concerns of Dr. Mendez and his team was how the patients in remote communities would react to such advanced technology. There was no guarantee that the robots would be accepted or understood. There was no predicting that the technology might actually improve the quality of interaction. We were not sure how would the patients react, especially, you know, you deploy these to a remote location. You know, would the patients feel awkward by talking to this uh, um, robotic system? Would they be uh, uncomfortable about it? And to our surprise, it actually was the other way around. People actually open even uh, to a greater degree when using the robotic systems. And especially in indigenous communities, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, communication may be more awkward and they feel much more relaxed if they're in their own community, they have their relatives around. So we were uh, very surprised that uh, actually the, the acceptance of this technology was amazing. And, uh, and I just want to tell you a little bit of, a, of an anecdote, which uh, kind of gives the idea of this, and that occurred in Maine. You know, we had this pilot project that was uh, going to last uh, a year, where we sent the first robotic system. It was the first uh, deployment ever in the world in a, a location that was very remote. So we did this pilot study for a year, and then I sent the plane to pick up the robot. And when the, the, they went to the nursing station to pick up the robot, and there was no robot uh, to be found. The robot had been uh, kidnapped by the citizens of Maine, which uh, they didn't want to give it back because it had been so useful during that year that it was there. Uh, for the first time, you know, an elderly person that had a heart problem could talk to a physician without leaving their community. Pregnant women didn't need to leave the community to talk to their specialist. So it was so useful that they wanted to keep the robot. And they named it Rosie as the Jetsons robot, Rosie the robot. And uh, Rosie became quite famous up in the north in Labrador. And that was the acceptance of, of that. So in over the years, we've seen this type of acceptance of technology uh, again and again. And it's been amazing to see. And of course, now after the pandemic, it's kind of second nature. Although the patients had positive reactions to the robots, the question of how the healthcare workers in these communities would react and handle the technology still remained. In most hospitals, scheduled maintenance is extremely common. There is an abundance of super-technical machinery that is at risk of failure or malfunction, not to mention the complicated use of some of the machinery, making it easy for operators to commit an error. Endless training and maintenance make these instances more rare, but digital literacy and network connections in many of the communities the robots are meant to serve is not to the same standard as it is in urban centers throughout Canada. So, how do the robots run smoothly? It's because of an effort that continues to this day to improve network connections and upgrades to the technology to allow the robots to thrive with as little maintenance and oversight as possible. You really need to have a, 
good Wi-Fi, uh, broadband connectivity, as well as uh, uh, cell connectivity. In Saskatchewan, we've been very fortunate. Telecommunications infrastructure in Saskatchewan is very good, it's excellent. Actually, you know, in uh, Pelican Narrows, for example, your cell phone will work better than in Saskatoon because uh, they have a tower there and they have less population. So you have a good broadband. But if we're going to scale up this to, for example, the rest of Canada, and especially in the north and in Nunavut and in all, in all these Arctic communities, there is a big problem with internet access. And we've been advocating as part of our program the importance of uh, having telecommunications, specifically internet, broadband, uh, as well as uh, cell phone communications everywhere. We feel it's a right of every Canadian to have access to telecommunications that are useful for things like healthcare. And our robots do not require anything to be done on the patient side. So we can control everything from the expert side and how the robot is behaving, how to turn it on. So we are really working on this principle that the digital literacy should not be a barrier for bringing healthcare to those populations. And they are continuously monitoring. So we know the function of the robot at all times and any maintenance that needs to be done, it can all be done remotely. So I can tell you, for example, in some of the deployments that we had, the robot has been there for several years, five years. They never needed to have somebody to travel all the way there or have expertise there to maintain the robot. We have continuous uh, monitoring communications with the robot. So I think this is the other issue. The, these systems to really work well, you don't need to have this technical expertise uh, in the remote side. So, what does the future look like? After all, the current size of this project only benefits a fraction of the people that it could if you look from a wide scope. How wide of a scope exactly? Dr. Mendez is looking worldwide. He details the obstacles that he expects to face as the project continues to expand and gives some optimistic insight into the advancements of medical technology that we may see in our own medical centers before we know it. I truly believe, as is intended, that all Canadians should have access to the same level of care, uh, regardless of where you live. And of course, you know, uh, although we feel we have a pretty good healthcare system, we know that if you're in Toronto uh, or in a big city, there is, you have much more access of care than if you live somewhere in Northern Canada. So I think that this technology is gonna help with this, at least to be able to provide real timely care anywhere in the country. Technology is advancing so much that we will be able in the future to monitor people automatically. So we'll be able to, for example, monitor a patient that lives in Nunavut and monitor their vital signs uh, to be able to predict if they're ever going to have a heart attack, for example, or a stroke, and be able to act before that happens. I think uh, remote uh, monitoring is going to be part of the future and uh, we will be able to to do that so i feel that with the advent of new uh, telecommunications technology g5 the the new advances in artificial intelligence new advances in robotics and we will be able in the future to touch people 
with a, a haptic technology. We are working on a globe that you can that a nurse can put thousand kilometers away. And you will have the same globe in the expert side, and anything that the nurses touch, you will actually feel it. And then this is called haptic technology, and you will be able to touch a patient and examine a patient. So I think you know technology will continue to advance, uh, and I don't think we will have technological barriers in the future. We'll be able to do more and more. The barriers for these are other barriers, such as jurisdictional uh, barriers. You know, can a doctor from Ontario take care of a patient in Saskatchewan? Or can a nurse uh, from Vancouver take care of a patient in Toronto? So those barriers have to be resolved. How do you remunerate people that work on uh, remote uh, presence technology? All these things need to, uh, uh, to be solved so we have the ability to use our capacity to be able to provide service anywhere in the country. And of course, you know, one of the other areas that I'm very passionate about is global health. I think uh, this technology should allow us to uh, improve the health of the people that have the least and need the most. Everywhere in the world, people have now cell phones. There is cell telecommunications anywhere you travel. So I think we should harness this power of technology to be able to provide care where care is needed. What happens in the future cannot be predicted, but what can't be denied is the amazing effect that Dr. Mendez and his vision has already had on rural Canadian healthcare. His technology has not only changed countless lives, but saved many as well. There will always be the question of AI being good or bad for society. Many projects we hear about these days leave us asking the same question. To hear about a project that is purely beneficial, especially for those in rural and remote communities, leaves me optimistic of what's still to come. To learn more about virtual care and robotics, use the link in the description. For more about artificial intelligence, check out the Root and Stem magazine at pinwa.com or more episodes of the Root and Stem podcast available to download on your favorite streaming platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. <laughs>